Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Lorna Byrne, the author of Angels in My Hair and her recent book, A Message of Hope from the Angels. Lorna has seen and talked to angels since she was a baby, and she sees angels every day, and she sees them physically, just as you would see a person sitting in front of you. Lorna kept quiet about what she was seeing and hearing until just three years ago. When she came out with her book, that became a number one bestseller in the uh, UK Sunday Times book chart, and uh, as did her recent book. So we're delighted to have her speaking with us from Ireland. And Lorna, I'm delighted to welcome you to New Consciousness Review. Well, I'm delighted to be talking with you, Marion. So I'm looking forward to all your questions and all our chats. Well, I certainly enjoyed your book, Lorna, and um, a bit envious of someone who sees angels everywhere. Tell us about what they look like and what the experience is of seeing angels. I, I suppose maybe the best thing to say to you, for me, it's normal and natural because I have seen angels, you know, physically as I would see people walking down the street. You know, the way if you were out on the street now, you would see people. I would see the people, but I would see the angels as well as physically as as the people. So it's actually um, normal and natural for me. I know nothing nothing else. Angels are very very beautiful, and I see the guardian angel with every single person, um, regardless of their religious beliefs or even whether they're good or bad. And I suppose the most important thing for people to remember is that. You know, your guardian angel is a gift from God, you know, and it loves you unconditionally and it never leaves you even for one second. So you're never, never alone. And, you know, angels in, in one sense are neither male nor female, but sometimes they give us, um, you know, a male or female appearance and other times they, they wouldn't. Like the other day when I was out myself and there was a father walking home from a school with his child on, on a bike and just the guardian angel of, of the child was, you know, bent over the child and the child was on a two-wheeler bike and the arms and hands were stretched out and holding on to the handlebars of the bike and the angel's hands were enormous and I was allowed to hear what the angel was saying to the child you know, to hold back, do what that, you know, what that says. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a beautiful thing to see. But for me, it's actually normal. And I know for everybody else out there, it's not. Um, I don't so when an angel... Me and not you. When an angel speaks to someone who can't see them, who's not aware of them, is it like a, a kind of a prompting of the subconscious mind? Yes, a lot of the time it's 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 like that. Or sometimes maybe you know someone would just you know get a strong feeling in 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 a different way, you know, um, to do sort of an intuitive feeling. Yeah, you know, um, I always say to people to to remember that your guardian angel will never ask you to do anything wrong. You know, um, your guardian angel will only ask you to do to do what is right. So if you're doing something wrong, you're not listening to your guardian angel. And your guardian angel is a great teacher. Mm-hmm. And those of adults, you know, so many adults have such a, a problem because adults are always questioning 
and asking, you know, well, what's in it for me, where a child will listen to, to the angel because they have only come from heaven, you have to remember. And so they listen much, much easier and they hear more clearly. And most of the time, you know, if an angel says to, to a child, pull that little daisy or that little flower and run over and give it to, you know, the person sitting on the bench or somebody walking by, a child will do that and hand it to somebody, you know, but I'm afraid sometimes the adult will just say, oh, thank you, you know, and look on it and walk along and then drop it later and may have forgotten that they had asked the guardian angel for a sign, you know, and it could have been a flower that they had asked for, or sometimes a bunch a bunch of flowers, but sometimes mm-hmm. that is actually hard for the guardian angel to to get someone to do. They'll bring so, teachers. So is a guardian angel similar to a spirit guide, or are they different? Um, no, it is the same. You you have to remember it is in the sense of, um, what way would I explain, in different, different faiths and different traditions. You know, the guardian angel may be called a different name, but you have to remember that your guardian angel allows other angels in, in and around you at different times to help you as well. But they come and go, and even the soul of a loved one. Um, but your guardian angel never, never leaves you for one second. So you're mm-hmm. never, never alone. Well, I suppose that's really encouraging in a society where so many people do feel so very, very alone. Yeah. Um, so uh, can, can you tell us about the first time you started seeing an angel? Oh, I have to smile at you now asking that, that question. And the only way I can actually answer it is um, from the moment I opened my eyes you know, lying in in the cot as an infant and, you know, reaching up and trying to catch them. And I didn't even know they were angels, you know, to play. Mm -hmm. You know, even when my mom was bending over the cot and doing things with me, um, it was when I was about maybe two, two and a half. I am not dead sure exactly. And when I was playing in front of the fire with my little brother, and it was like, you know, his hand touched mine or mine touched his and it just all sparkled. Um, and I laughed, you know, we were playing with blocks my dad had made. And it was at that time that, and you have to remember, I was only about two or two and a half. You must remember that. And it was at that time when that happened that the angel said to me that my little brother was a soul. You know, he wasn't an angel. And I never even realized, you know, that my little brother wasn't flesh and blood. Um, and they told me to keep it a secret. Mm. It's, it's actually, that's why I say to people it's normal and natural. You know, if I know I'm sitting in the room here and I know if I was in your studio with you, I would see you physically and you would see me physically. Um, but I would see your guardian angel there physically with you and any other angel that that your guardian angel would have in and around you as well. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that many children, small children, see these angels and energies around, but at some stage, I guess, uh, well-meaning parents and teachers shut them down. Um, why do you think you were able to retain this ability? Were your parents more accommodating or what? Um, no, because 
from the very beginning when the angels, and yet I, I seem to have understood when they told me to keep it a secret and to say nothing, um, I did as a tiny child. And I, the only way I can explain that I am, I know I can't even pronounce this word properly, I'm dyslexic. Um, I can't read or write very well. Um, everything gets juggled around on, on me. Um, and in the Ireland way back then in the 50s, um, you know, they didn't know what that was. And when a child showed any signs of being slow, um, the doctor would say to the parents, the child would be branded as retarded. And that's exactly what happened to me. So I actually understand and I got to understand as I grew as a child, why the angels had said to keep it a secret. Because if I had said to my mom or dad, Way back then, you know, as a child, that's an angel standing beside them, you know, that I can see their guardian angel. I wouldn't actually be stand or here talking with you on, on the phone because way back then children were put into in- institutions and that's exactly mm. what would have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so, sure. You know, I often remember different instances happening as a child, you know, and, you know, my aunt saying, saying to my mom, you know, um, well, she's retired to take no notice of her, you know, um, that kind of thing. And, you know, I would understand, you know, exactly why the angels uh-huh. had said. And, and at times they used to say to me, Lorna, um, they know they know no better. Uh-huh. To understand that as, as a child, you know, in that in that way. Right. Well, uh, since you do have dyslexia, how did you manage to write your books? Well, that is actually a miracle in its in itself. Um, the only way now I can explain, and I don't want to make it too long for you, is that, you know, as a child, the angels would say to me, you're going to write about God and us. And that meant the angels. And even as a teenager, that would be said, and I would literally take no notice of them. You know, because here, no no way. And it was when I was actually married and I was wheeling my daughter home in her pram that the angel Michael came up behind me and, you know, stopped me and said, Lorna, it's getting near time for you to, to write about God and the angels. And I just looked at him astonished and said, you know, Michael, I can't even read or write. How on earth does God even expect me to write one book? And he just said to me, help would be sent. And that's exactly what happened. And I didn't say yes even then. It was years later after my husband died that I actually said yes. And one of the things I was given, you know, I just said to someone I had just met, you know, didn't really know them very well. And I just said to them I was going to start to write. And I didn't even say what I was going to write about or anything like that. And I had, hadn't got two pennies to, to rub together. And this person listened to their guardian angel, listened to God, and went out and bought, which was extremely expensive at that time, um, a Dell laptop, a printer, and what I call the magic box, you know, the dragon net speakeasy. Mm-hmm. Don't know if, if you know if you know if you know that one, mm-hmm. um, and that's where I actually talk into the computer and it prints out. Except I give out because sometimes when my voice changes, um, it won't print what 
<laughs> you know, and um, I give give out to the angels. Then you know, I say it's not doing what it's meant to be doing. It's printing out wrongly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, sometimes you know the the words wouldn't make sense at all. So I would have to stop, and they would just say to me, "Lauren, it's time for you to take a break." Uh huh. Uh huh. Did it ever come up with any <laughs> funny words that you know that made a different kind of sense? Um, yes, sometimes, and sometimes I would give it to my daughter to read, and she would say, "Mom, this definitely doesn't make sense." What on earth? I'm that she would say, "I never heard of such a word." <laughs> you know? She said it's like a different language, and um, so so we would laugh about it. But help was was sent, and help is still being sent. I I always say, you know. Um, what way would I put it when when God has sent someone to give us a helping a helping hand in in different areas, like even yourself doing this interview and um, all those involved listened you know, and you're playing your part to to change the world and to help to get the messages out there and I suppose the most important message um for people in America at the moment is you know that they actually have a guardian angel. You know that never leaves them for one second, and you know that that is a very important message because I even hear from teenagers would give out to me and they would say, you know, Lorna, why haven't you? Why didn't you write these books years ago? Um, and th- because then, if my friend had known that she had a guardian angel, and um, she wouldn't have committed suicide, you know, we'd have a lot mm-hmm. of suicide here here in Ireland. But I believe it's the same around the world. And I never realized that, you know, even Catholics, you know, and I'm Catholic myself, you know, um, it's like as if it didn't really register that they had a guardian angel. You know, and to me, that that's incredible. I would have thought they would have been the first ones to believe. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing, you know. Even, you know, Muslims and Jews and, and Presbyterians, so many different religions, you know, it's it's like as if they're hearing it really for the first time, yet it's it's within their teaching teachings, but it never registered. And it must be what God wants because, you know, I'm just an ordinary person. Mm-hmm. So I would say very ordinary, you know, and I don't know why he, he chose me. Um, because I remember at the beginning being, you know, saying saying to God and the angels, I'm going to be ridiculed, terrible, you know, but it actually doesn't matter when it helps to change somebody's life for the better. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all that matters, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, you certainly had a very challenging life, um, how old were you when you were left as a widow with four small children? She was not very good at, good on numbers. My youngest was, she was four at the time, and she's 16 mm. now. Mm-hmm. You know, it was about, you know, I think it's 12 or 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so she, she was the youngest. And then my other daughter, I think at the time, she was just gone 16, so... And I think the eldest was nineteen twenty. Mm-hmm. Like he, he had just come out of college, and yeah. you know had got a a job as um, you know an engineer on on, on the big boats. Oh. 
you know, so I'm not very good with numbers or figures, I'm afraid. So roughly, uh-huh. I would say 12 years ago. I see. It's interesting. I interviewed um, a chap by the name of David Patton just a few weeks ago who was also severely dyslexic and couldn't read and write. But his particular gift was being able to see numbers and manipulate numbers at genius level. And uh, clearly your gift is being able to see angels and communicate their presence and the, the, the hope from them. Speaking of which, tell us a little bit about the Angel of Hope. Oh, the Angel of Hope is actually a magnificent angel. And I have to say to you first, like, you know, your guardian angel gives you hope and loads of other angels give us hope as well. They They help in that way. But the Angel of Hope, you know, I saw him on the odd occasion as a child, as, as I grew, um, but wasn't told much about him. Um, it was only in later years, and I suppose maybe to describe him, he is only one angel. But now I actually see him every single day, no matter where where I am. You know, so he God has him in the world constantly at, at the moment. Um, the way I can describe him, he's not like any other angel at all, is that, you know, he's he's massive, he's like a giant, but he's like this massive flame, you know, and it's like within that flame you see another flame, another light, and within that you see this incredible angel, you know, he, is, he gives a male appearance and is extremely masculine looking, but he holds this torch in his hand and the only way I can describe the torch it's like the Olympic torch you know that that the the Olympics would hold and it it has a massive flame as well but one of the most incredible things about him is that he's always in front of us never behind us and I can't explain how that happens you know um, Mm -hmm. and he's always turning and beckoning to us you know, you know, bending, bending, you know, in that way, turning and beckoning, telling us to keep coming, to see that light of hope, that there is hope in our lives, you know, and not to, not to give up. Like there just a while ago, um, I saw him in front of uh, a man, and I say the man was about maybe 55, and I was told the man had lost his job, and I saw the man's guardian angel, and there was other angels around the man as well, but the angel of hope was in front of him. And the incredible thing, when, when I see the angel of hope in front of just one person, it's really very hard to describe because it's like as if he's right there in front of them, you know, bigger than the person, but yet in proportion, and yet like a million miles away, and yet is still like that giant, that massive flame. It is very incredible, and just to have watched him beckoning to 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 that man, you know, not to give up, you know, on life just just because you know he had lost his job, you know that there was hope there, you know. And did I understand? Did I understand correctly that um, it's your guardian angel who calls in these kind of accessory angels, like the angel of hope? that that is, that is it yes the guardian angel does that allows in other angels but the angel of hope um, doesn't just come in in front of just one person for just one person 
um, when I was in New York there earlier on in, in the year, I was in, um, I think they call it Times Square. I was in one of the hotels there. And I think I was up about the 24th floor. And I was looking out the window, looking down at, at all the people on, on the street and the cars. And I was fascinated watching the guardian angels behind people and so many other angels, you know, moving around as well as, as the people. And any particular angel standing beside me told me to look across the skyline. And I looked up and there I saw the angel of hope. Now, I only could see his head and shoulders and the torch he was carrying. And he was moving, all as I can say, between all of the buildings, all of the street. And yes, the incredible thing was that he was in front of everyone. And that is something I don't know how to explain. And I know he is he is there beckoning to, to everybody in every part of the world not to give up, that there's lots of hope there. Hmm. And It's very hard to describe. Um, what is the difference between these kind of specially tasked angels and archangels? Um, can you say that again? Well, you have you have like the angel in charge of love and the angel in charge of of hope, and then you have archangels like Michael. So, how do they get to be one or the other, or is there a difference between them? Um, how how can I expl- explain that? Um, because that's a question I haven't really been been asked before. So I only can tell you what I know, you know, and and what I have been shown. Um, the angel of hope is a special angel, but he's not an archangel. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, you know, like like an individual that God has has in the world. Um, Michael is is an archangel, and that is completely different. Um, he's there for us all, like the angel of hope, but it is again in a different way. And yes. Um, Michael, the archangel, does be on the throne of God as well. Um, and sometimes people would ask me, or they would say to me, you know, um, Michael, the archangel, is the guardian angel. And I would have to be very truthful to them and just say to them, you know, Michael, the archangel, can't be anyone's guardian angel. But he's there every moment you need help when you call on him. And I don't know how angels do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but has their own guardian angel that comes with you before you were even conceived, comes with you from heaven. Now, one of the things that you uh, say very strongly is that we need to ask for help. They, the, the angels can't just give it to us. Is that correct? Yes, it is that if, if we ask for help, if we acknowledge a guardian angel is there, and lots of us do that, even in the sense of not um, realizing we have a guardian angel. You know, when you cry out for help, you say, God, help me. You're actually, even then, asking for for help. It is that when you become more conscious of of that and and maybe do it a little bit more, you're empowering your guardian angel. And you have to remember your guardian angel or any angel can't overstep your free will, but they will do everything possible um, to teach you. And like I just say to people, one of the first things you should do is ask your guardian angel to teach you. You know, if your guardian angel says to you, if a thought comes into your mind, you know, 
about someone, you know, that you're to call and you're saying to yourself, why am I thinking of that person? You know, I had a row with them. I haven't spoken to them in years. Um, your guardian angel is actually teaching you just to respond. But it could be that that person um, has asked for a sign that you would give a ring, that you would just say hello to them. And in a sense, forgiveness happen in that, mm-hmm. in that way. But lots of times we say no. Or it could be a simple, you know, my glass of water here here on, on the desk. You know, my guardian angel could say to me, you know, pick that up and put it on the floor. I would pick it up, put it on the floor. They were always doing things like that with me as a child to teach me, you know, to be, to to respond, you know, um, better all of the time and to listen to them and not to question so much. Mm-hmm. They are good teachers that when you get to a stage, you know, when the thought comes into your mind, you know, you do it. And you get to that stage when you say, wow, great, I did all that myself. Then your guardian angel, in a sense, dances for joy, you know, in that, in that way, because you're really listening, you know, and you're giving yourself, you know, that praise that you have done it. But that's what your guardian angel wants. Uh huh. Can they help someone who is struggling with finances? Yes. You know, um, again, it, it, is, it is to ask. You know, many of a uh, time I have I watched where you know, the guardian angel would have other angels and around someone trying to help them to to find the solution to to the problem on, on the finances, you know, or, or even to get a job. You know, which which is is, is incredible. You know, I, I just um what would I say? There was just there a while ago when I was actually up up in Dublin, um I had gone in into a restaurant and had sat down and you know, a young man came in and got himself a coffee and his guardian angel, you know, standing right behind him and yet kind of bent over over him, whispering to him. And another angel turned to me and said, you know, this young man is looking for, for a job and the guardian angel is giving him confidence to, to believe in himself. And, you know, the day passed, the young man had got, you know, had gone off and I had gone and done, done my, my things. And then I had walked into, um, you know, a shop, you know, selling gifts and, you know, bits and pieces. And I was looking for something for my daughter for school. And there was the young man, you know, and he just went up to the manager and I just smiled, you know, you know, he went up with such confidence and he asked the manager, was there any vacancies? And the manager, you know, I first looked at him and I could see his guardian angel whispering to him, you know, as well, to to try and get things to go the best for the young man. And at first the manager of the shop said, oh, you have to send in your, C- your CV or whatever you call it. And suddenly then the manager said, oh, hold on a minute. I do have a vacancy. Could you come in Saturday hmm. and bring in, you know, your papers or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, where the man actually listened, you know, and sometimes, you know, when you see something like that happening, it just makes you smile. You know, well, the other thing I, you see, I, the other thing you see well, happening is angels playing Cupid. How do they do yeah, that? I, I do. And I, I know um, that that is one of the, the, 
the things I've written about um, in the message of hope. Um, they are beautiful angels, um, and the only way I, I can describe them, they don't give an appearance of being male or female as, as such, but they are very beautiful. And, you know, their clothing is, is like a cloak, because I can't say what way the dress is, but it, it's like a, a little pattern, you know, like a check. But one of the things about them is they always have this golden thread. Sometimes they could be carrying it, you know, in their hand. But other times it's kind of, you know, peeping out through their clothes. It's it's just so beautiful to see. And I have watched them on so many occasions, you know, wrap this golden golden thread, you know, sometimes around um, the wrist of, you know, two te- teenagers just to teach them about young love. You know, and on a lot of occasions now, I suppose, I sometimes I do think it's very sad where, you know, an older couple um, have taken each other for granted. And I would see, you know, those particular angels, I call them the romantic angels, you know, trying to kindle the love between both of them, you know, between the man and woman. And I would often see um, the angels wrap that thread as well around two men or two women. You know, um, it's just so beautiful to see. So I have written quite a bit about it. And I suppose so many um, women, especially, and even men on occasions, are always saying, I just I just want to find my soulmate. And I I know I have told people and I have written about it that I loved my husband very much, you know, and I couldn't imagine having life without without him but he wasn't my soulmate. And sometimes that is one thing that the Rosmantic Angels have problems with, that people allow love to pass by. And just to watch the angels, those Rosmantic Angels, trying to get someone not to just be focused on what they believe is their soulmate, to allow love to come in, in into their life. As I say, if love comes into your life, even if it's only for 24 hours or a few weeks, or even if it's just for, for a number of years, it's well worth it. But love dies as well, which is the sad part. Mm-hmm. Yes, you told one very poignant story in the book about uh, a man uh, who was very much in love with a woman who refused him because she didn't think he was... I, I don't know, good enough yeah. for her. Yeah. Yeah. And I, all as I can say, I am shown that so many times um, by the Rosmantic Angels. And I always feel so sad when I'm being shown this is happening with this couple here. Um, so that is why I would say, say to people, you know, don't be just focused on, on your soulmate, you know, because your soulmate could, mightn't even be born into the world you know, could be an old man or an old woman, could be, you know, that Down syndrome mm-hmm. child. You know, um, so don't let love pass. Because love, romantic love, you know, it's different than other types of love. And it is something that we all yearn for. And it is very precious, romantic love. Mm-hmm. Yes. You say the angels have told you that being a parent is the most important job in the world. Tell us why that is. Yes, 
Um, I, I just have to, to smile, and, and that chapter in, in the book has been very important to parents. And, you know, so many parents would, would say to me, you know, this book is not about Lorna, it's about them. You know, and I think that is a wonderful thing. And one thing, it is so important for parents to remember that it is the most important job in the world, you know, because every parent is molding their child, you know, teaching their child um, what is right and what is wrong, teaching them love, you know, and your child is the future. It's more important than being, you know, the president of your country or being that big executive or being famous. Every parent who has a child, that is the most important job in the world. And I know um, it never ends either. (laughs) You know, people would would say to me, but, you know, surely the most important job in the world for you, Lorna, is, you know, doing what God has asked you to do. But I would remind people that God gave me my children first, you know, and he trusts, you have to remember God trusts you you know, um, with these children that he has given you, that you will care for them in in every way possible, and especially that you will teach them love, you know, so so that they can grow and make this world a better place for the future as well. Mm. Very important message. Lorna, people come to you... um having read your book and and they they ask you if you could kind of interpret the messages that they are not hearing from their angels do you get that a lot um no not not really i don't i don't think in in that in that way you know sometimes when i give a talk in in a church or or, or a hall somewhere um you know i I speak for maybe about an hour and then, you know, the audience asks questions. Um, and I'm always amazed with, with the questions that, that they ask. And I suppose one of the most popular um, questions that people ask, and that is, you know, do they have a guardian angel? And I have to say, every single human being has a guardian angel because no matter where I go, everyone I see, I see with a guardian angel. I have never seen any man, woman or child without a guardian angel. And I know if that day came, I would be shocked. Something would be terribly wrong. So everyone has a guardian angel. People ask, you know, they they seldom ask what I would call silly questions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's amazing, you know, they would sometimes ask, you know, well, is my granny my guardian angel? You know, and I would say, no, your granny is not, but your guardian angel allows your granny in around you because at times, you know, um, you respond to the soul of a loved one more than you would a guardian angel because you have to remember the soul of a loved one lived and you knew them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're closer to them in, in one sense. You tell in the book about a specific me- a role uh, of the country of America, and uh, can you tell us about the the angel's specific message for America? Um, oh, that's a, a huge question. <laughs> I have to I have to smile at it. You know, so maybe the quickest way I can answer it for you is that 
you know, as as a child here in Ireland, um, I used to see a particular type of angel, and I still see them today, but now I don't see them in huge numbers. And I actually call them the American Gathering Angels because that's what I was told. And these angels, for centuries, have been gathering people from all over the world of all different religions, you know, um, different cultures, everything in that in that way, and bringing them to America. And the angel doesn't stay with them very, very long. And what I was told was that the people of, of America, you are the new race. It's something you have forgotten. You know, and, you know, the first time I, I went to America, it was actually after my husband died. And um, I always remember being, what would you say, shocked or found it incredible. Um, because everything was so different, you know, the atmosphere was so different and the vibration was so different in every way. But it's not that it's coming from the land or anything like that. It's actually coming from the people. The people of America are more open spiritually than anywhere else in the world, even if they don't realize it themselves. And that God has gathered them from all over the world. And I know the American Indian was there um, before then, but God already had them there. And, mm. and to me, that that is incredible because America has a huge part to play in the evolution of mankind and the future of mankind. And I know it still has a long way to go and it's not perfect, you know, but it is getting there no matter what you think yourself. Um, and at times I often say, say to God, well, how come you didn't choose me to to go over there, why didn't the angel, you know, the American <laughs> gather me? Bring me? But um, it, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that someone is better that has been gathered, you know, in in that in that way. Um, so I'm left behind. <laughs> so I laugh. I laugh at that. But American American people are the new race, mm. and to me, that is is something quite incredible. I know I could tell you loads more. You know, and I know I wrote a fair bit in in the book about it uh-huh. as well. Um, but I don't know what time we have. Well, it it is coming close. Um, why is the spiritual evolution of mankind so important? And because you know, it is the body and soul um, coming together. You know, for us to become, in a sense, more perfect, for us to make this world a beautiful world. Like, I have been shown so many futures, but yet all the futures I have been shown are actually the one future, you know, um, and we have to go spiritually. We we have to change this world, you know, and, you know, what people are saying, you know, what's happening in the world today, you know, all the different crises all over the world. I just say to people that at the moment, um, you may feel very little hope in your life. You you may look, you know, at the news and see all the horrific things and say, what's the point? But, you know, even in Europe where we have the, what they call the Celtic Tiger collapse and all the, all of that, and the recession, it is a miracle in, in disguise, you know, to help us to, to realize that there's more to life than just material things. You know, and that each and every one of us is more important than material things. 
um, that life's very, very precious. And I know it is a wake-up call for change and that we all have to stand up and be counted. And we all have to, in a sense, be, what's that word, accountable. Mm. And just to watch that happening all over the world is incredible as well. It's happening here in Ireland. It's happening everywhere. Yeah. Where people have been unjust or dishonest or being made accountable for it. Answerable. You say that fear is one of the things that stops us from evolving spiritually. How do you yeah. see that resolving? What would I say? Um, I have to I have to smile at that now. Fear fear is one of the things because most people are are afraid of being ridiculed and laughed at, but. You know, everyone is gifted in a million and one different ways. We're all ordinary, but yet we are all unique and we're all perfect. It is to, you know, um, use whatever gifts God has given you within your life. And lots of the times we don't even notice the gifts that God has given us. You know, those spiritual gifts, we just take them for granted. Um, I just say to people, you know, if you can walk and talk, you know, and and you can, you know, run for a bus. You can do so many things. Um, you know, you can breathe. Isn't it wonderful to be alive? You know, we, we, we allow the fear to stop us um, going forward spiritually, but we need to turn that fear into strength and allow ourselves to go spiritually and to use that, the spiritual part of ourselves within our own lives you know, in that in that way, it's like, you know, using the spiritual part of yourself, your your guardian angel is attracting you to, let's say, something in your garden, a small little shrub in your garden, and for months and months is kind of attracting your attention to it. It's this little um, little plant is standing out in your garden. You're all the time seeing it, and yet you you don't do you don't bother to do anything about it. In order to help you to grow spiritually, you should respond. You should go out there and start to look after that little plant Mm -hmm. and allow your spirituality to connect with it and for it to grow and see the wonders that you have done and and what you discover about your own spirituality within yourself as well. Yes. It's a huge huge, um, subject. It it is indeed. Fear into strength. Yeah, it is indeed a huge subject and, and one that is increasingly coming to the fore as more and more people are getting information from unseen realms that they can't explain and having the courage to speak out about it. And it's like that courage gives other people permission to acknowledge experiences that they've had and acknowledge promptings that they've had. So to use the promptings that you have within your own life to to make your own life easier and and those that are involved in your own life easier as well. It's mm-hmm. like a, a mother, um, you know, getting the strong feeling that she should go and attend to her child. That's maybe in a playpen, mm-hmm. you know. And yes, it is to grow in, grow in in so many different ways, and. Um, and sometimes we, we think that it is, like I would meet people, which sometimes I think is a little sad, 
because they would say, oh, I'm very spiritual, I'm very open, so now I'm going to become a tarot card reader. That's mm-hmm. not what spirituality is about. It's about us all growing spiritually. It's about our, our souls intertwining with each, with each other. Oh, beautifully and said. Making this, world, making this world a better place Indeed. where there will be no war, no hunger. You know, where everybody will be actually busy, but we, life will have changed completely. Mm. Of course, one of, the, one of the greatest fears that people have is the fear of death. And you say that you see the guardian angels holding the soul of the individual throughout this process. Can you describe that? It was just so beautifully put. And it is, it is very, very beautiful. Anytime, you know, even, I suppose, even my husband, you know, um, Joe, you know, just to watch the guardian angel, or sometimes when somebody is getting close to, close to going home to heaven, and, you know, there used to be a lady that lived down the road, and, you know, I would see her every now and then. I didn't really know her, but just knew her to see. And just one day, you know, seeing the guardian angel holding on to her soul, you know, reaching in that little bit, you know, and gradually over time. And yet I know that happens very quickly sometimes. Your guardian angel has to take hold of you, you know, because your your, your death comes quickly. Mm-hmm. And at the time it comes, it comes slowly. Um, it is a very beautiful thing to see. And... You know, to see some someone's guardian angels taking their soul, like even, you know, the old man in the hospital. You know, um, one time when I was at the hospital, um, it was, what kind of hospital do they call it? You know, where cancer patients would be. And um, seeing the guardian angel holding on to his soul and, and taking the fear away from him, you know, it is it is an incredible thing to see, and I have done my best to describe it in the book as well, you know, because it is very important for people to remember. Um, I would say to people, you shouldn't have fear of death, you know, but no one is meant to die before their time. But, and that's why I, I would often give out when I would be giving a talk, and I would say to people, you know, because the angels would tell me if somebody was thinking of committing suicide, you mm-hmm. know, that everyone's life is very precious. And if someone commits suicide, it actually diminishes each and every one of us across the world. You know, just that tiny little little speck. So I would always say to people, you know, your life is precious. You are very, very important. Mm-hmm. And your guardian angel never wants to take any soul before it's time because then it becomes their time if you understand yes in that in that in that way um and i i would say to you anytime god has taken my soul i never want to go back you know even for my loved ones because in one sense why would you you know um because when you you go to heaven you know it is you're in the presence of God, it, it, is, it is just so overpowering. There is just so much love. There's no words, even humanly, to describe it. And, and you meet all your loved ones. Mm-hmm. You know, all those that you knew, you know, your children, everything. You meet them all. 
nobody dies and that is one of the important messages that have, has been given that you know we all have a soul which is that speck of light of God you know that is more beautiful than any angel and that is why your guardian angel comes with you from heaven when you're being conceived um, and that's another reason why your guardian angel never leaves you for one second and why angels love to be around us because of our soul, which is that speck of light of God, and it fills every part of you. And it's more beautiful than an, than an angel by a million, billion times, you know. Any time I describe it, I'd be trying just to describe a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. But I can't really describe the soul, it's so beautiful. Right. Well, this was such a fascinating talk, Lorna. What is your website? Um, I'm not very good at this part oh, either. <laughs> it, it's your name, it, isn't it? It's it, it is my my right. name, LornaBurn.com, something like that. I'm, so that would be L O R N A B Y R N E dot com. Yes. Well, we've been speaking with Lorna Byrne, whose new book, A Message of Hope from the Angels, is out and fascinating reading. Lorna, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome, and I was delighted to be talking with you on this Christmas, and I wish you all a happy Christmas. Indeed. And peace on earth. And I hope we can all hold in our hearts a vision of peace, kindness, and awakening for the planet for the year ahead. Well, don't miss our show next week when our guest will be composer Michael Hoppe sharing tracks and stories about his CD, Prayers That He Did with actor Michael York. And now we're going to close with our track of the week, If This Were Heaven, by Scott Johnson from his album Levity. If this were heaven I'd sculpt each day in my own way Like a kid playing with clay I'd embrace it with bare hands Mold it into something grand Oh, if this were heaven If this were heaven I'd take my time and never hurry Wouldn't waste my time with worry I'd take more walks Have more heart-to-heart talks If this were heaven so hard to get somewhere Only to find that it's not there If not now, then when I ask Could heaven be like that? If this were heaven I'd sing and dance like no one's watching And smile without stopping I'd laugh with friends 
Live a life of love that never ends If this were heaven Gaze upon the stars at night And wonder at their distant light Heaven seems so far away From where we are today If this were heaven How would it differ from life now? Would who I am change somehow? Or is it just a state of mind Reached by stepping out of time And living as if this were heaven? Oh yes, living as if this were heaven Heaven by Scott Johnson. Scott heads up the Positive Music Association, a professional trade organization dedicated to promoting all styles of music, expressing universal life-affirming messages that help shift personal and global consciousness to one based on connectedness, sufficiency, and cooperation. This growing group of amazing musicians have styles ranging from pop and rock to folk and jazz, and they use music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. To discover more great music or to join the PMA, go to PositiveMusicAssociation.com. You can find all the books that we discuss here on our website at ncreview.com, along with reviews, author profiles, and much more. That's at ncreview.com. And please, tell your friends about us. Well, that wraps up our show for today. I hope you'll join us next week. So until then, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.